together, God. We're so grateful to be able to escape to the mountains, God, and to spend time with you and spend time with one another. God, I just want to pray that you can really move today. Um, God, I know that this is the first of many lessons that we are going to hear today. And I just pray that you open wide our hearts, God. I know um, coming into retreats, God, we can be coming from so many different places, God. We can be coming from places of strength, places of weakness, places of, I don't know how I'm doing. And I just pray, God, that you can open wide our hearts to hear exactly what we need to hear. Please speak through Ali and I, God. Give us wisdom um, just to really illuminate your scriptures in a powerful way. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <coughs> All right. Well, my name's Alexandra, and you were at the Struggle is Real class. I didn't give it that title, but it's great. So, catchy. Um, and we're going to be talking about purity today. So, if you didn't know that, surprise. You're at a purity class, which is great. Um, but, you know, I, so I'm actually from the South. I was raised in North Carolina. And any North Carolina people in here? Woo! Okay, great. And I went to the University of Georgia and graduated back in 2010. Um, so I'm feeling older and older by the year. But I work with college students. I, like, keep noticing gray hairs and, like, pulling them out really fast. Um, and, yeah, so it's great. I'm glad that we get to be here with you guys. Turn over to First Peter chapter one. We're gonna start there this morning, and um, you know I'm really grateful that you came to this class. And I think for whatever reason, it can take a lot of courage to address purity in our world today because it's something that is so different in the world than what the Bible is trying to foster in us. So look at First Peter one and verse thirteen. Someone read verse 13 through 16 for us. Real loud. Yeah, in the back. Can you stand up and read it? Thank you. Therefore, with minds, you say 13 through 15? 13 through 16, yeah. Okay, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his time. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Okay, I love this scripture. You know, I think the thing about First Peter is that if you've read it, he's constantly calling us and talking about this before and after that we should have as disciples of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of this idea of, well, you used to be this way, but now I want you to live this way, right? And, um, and I, I think which tells us what, right? That God... Our relationship with him is meant to change us. We're not meant to be the same as we were before. So if you used to struggle with certain things before you were a Christian, there should be a clear distinction in your life after you're a disciple. Now, let's all be real. That doesn't mean you're not going to struggle, right? (laughs) That's what we're here to talk about. And let me ask you real quick. How many of you in this room are single right now? Okay, great. And how many of you are dating? Okay, great. So we have kind of a, a little mix here. That's just helpful to know kind of what, what backgrounds y'all are coming from. But he talks about how he doesn't want us to live in conformity to the world. The Bible, the church, and even you as an individual should have different standards and expectations for purity than what your friends on campus do. Does that make sense? You know, Allie's going to talk a lot about practicals today and kind of how to change how to grow, how to have victory in our purity. 
But I'm going to talk about God's view of purity. I'm going to kind of talk about the biblical sexual ethic, which sounds very serious. And I guess it is. But we're going to try to make it fun too. But that's, you know, I, I also want you to understand that purity is possible with God. It's not this like foreign, unattainable thing. It actually is something that's possible, good for you, and you should expect it as a woman of God. You know, um, I remember, <laughs> how many of you have gone to the swamp before? Okay, a couple of you. So, you know, it's a camp that a bunch of us go to in the southeast. I remember going to camp once, and um, I remember Miss Carolyn, who's kind of was leading camp at the time, she did a class for the girls, and she asked us, that was the older girl, she said, do any of you know where in the Bible it says not to have sex before you're married? <laughs> and I remember all of us were like silent, because <laughs> we were like, uh, I mean, I know it's in there. Like, I'm pretty sure I heard that once in a sermon, but I have no idea where it was. And then I remember my friend Katie saw Hill, like, raised her hand and was like, I know, and I was like, um, you wouldn't know where that is, you know. But turn over to First Corinthians 6, because it is in the Bible, and we're going to actually talk about it. Um, and, and I remember that was such a moment for me of, wow, I really don't know my Bible that well. Like, I don't even know in the Bible where it says something so kind of basic that I knew intellectually, I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but if I don't know where it is in the scripture, <coughs> clearly not written on my heart yet. Um, okay, so this is kind of a long scripture. We're going to read all of it. And the first point I want to talk to you about is understand the struggle. I think before you can, before you can conquer something, you kind of got to understand it. You've got to know your enemy. So can someone read for us verse 12 through 20? Yeah, great. All right. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were brought at, whoa, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, so the scripture says a lot, right? You know, but you see here, God says something that I think is interesting, or Paul is saying something interesting. He says, the body's not meant for sexual morality. So the body actually, God didn't design us as women to have sex outside of marriage. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Because sometimes in classes, professors will say things like, it's just natural. You're designed that way. It's abnormal for you to be in a committed relationship with someone for long, like long term. Like people say that type of stuff. And um, at BU, which is Boston University, which is one of the schools that Jesse and I focus at, last year, um, before Bible Talk, it was the day of Bible Talk, it was Tuesday, so, like an article came out by a professor in the BU magazine online or something. And it was, she was a minister. 
And she wrote an article about how the Bible didn't really say that sex before marriage was wrong. Interesting, right? Now, I live in probably one of the most liberal places in all of America. <laughs> and so we had a Bible talk that day about, okay, well, what does the Bible actually say about sex? And we read this scripture, and we talked about it. But the world is so messed, they can't even fathom the idea that God would have some different plans for us, for our purity, than what, what they feel like doing. And I bet that a lot of us, whether we realize it or not, we've actually adopted what the world thinks. We started to think, purity, like it's just, I, I can't, like it is, it's abnormal to think that I could be pure. It's abnormal to think that I could go a day without a lustful thought. It's abnormal to think that I wouldn't struggle with masturbation. It's abnormal to think I'd be in a relationship one day and we would never have sex before we get married. How would you even know sex would work right if you don't have it before you get married to the person? This is the stuff that, before we realize it, we start adopting. Are you guys with me on that? But the Bible says, no, that's not true. You know, in Genesis 2... God's talking with Adam and Eve, and, you know, it says that they were naked and they felt no shame, and that's always a scripture that when you're a kid, you kind of laugh at, because it makes you feel uncomfortable, but they were naked, and they didn't feel any shame, you're like, oh, they were naked in the Bible, I don't think you're supposed to do that, like, I don't know, <laughs> and, you know, but I think it's interesting, because sex is actually never supposed to be something that brings you shame, do you realize that, like, sex isn't meant to be something that makes us feel ashamed. It's not meant to be something that makes you feel guilty after you do it. You know, um, but I think for us, a lot of us, honestly, that's the only way that we think about sex. That's the only way we think about purity is we associate it with shame because we're not using it in the way that God intended. You know, um, I think about this. I, I always use this analogy, but let's say that I give you an iPhone 8. I know it hasn't come out yet, but let's just say, right? And I give you this iPhone, and I'm like, okay, so you have two options. Either I'm going to teach you how to use it, or I'm going to bring Steve Jobs back from the dead, and he's going to show you how to use the iPhone. Now, who do you think probably has a better understanding of Apple products? Me or Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs. Exactly. Why? Why does Steve Jobs have a better understanding? He created it. He created it. So do you think he knows the best way that it's meant to be used? Totally. God created sex. Do you think that God actually knows the best way for sex to be enjoyed? Yeah, he does. Why? Because he's the creator. He knows exactly how you can find fulfillment. He knows that sex is meant to bring intimacy and not shame. But if you, if you warp that, if you are using sex for things other than what God intended, it will leave you feeling differently than how God wanted you to feel. You know, um, after you look at porn, after you masturbate, after you mess up in your purity with your boyfriend, do you feel ashamed? That wasn't God's intention. And I think that what we got to see is that if God is the creator, he actually knows the way that you should use this so that you can be joyful one day, not feeling ashamed. Does this make sense? Are you guys with me? I know this is kind of like one of those lofty concepts, but I want you to understand that God just didn't, isn't telling you how to kind of think about purity to, to like be a killjoy. He's doing it because he actually knows the way. Think about it. If we didn't, if the world operated the way the Bible said about sex and purity, there would be no unwanted pregnancies, no abortions, be no STDs in the world. 
the AIDS issue, gone. If we had one partner. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like, God knows what he's talking about. God knows what intimacy is meant to be. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. And I can tell you, you know, when I got married, um, and Jesse and I, I'm so grateful, we were able to have a pure relationship, and and we fought for it. Like, we fought really hard to be pure. And Allie's going to talk a lot about how she and Kyle fought to be pure, but I'm, I've never, I'm so grateful for how Jesse and I were able to fight for that. But I remember, you know, waking up on my honeymoon and being like, I just am grateful that he's committed to me for the rest of his life. <laughs> like, there's no fear. There was no fear of, well, I wonder if he, like, are we going to be together tomorrow? Like, what, in a couple years, like, are, are we done? And I think a lot of us don't even know how to understand that, like, that's what God's intention is. He doesn't want there to be any insecurity in his daughters about, will this person leave me? Or will I ever be, will I ever have that? Like, God wants her to be complete and total security. It, it's not supposed to bring some, be something that brings you shame. So Ephesians chapter 5, can someone read 17 through 19 for us? Are you guys with me? Yeah. Am I boring you? No. Okay, good. Who wants to read 17 through 19? Yeah. Go for um, it. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Oh, you know what? I told you the wrong thing. Okay. Four chapters of the Bible. Yeah, that's four accurate. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live lives as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual loss for more. Okay, so I think that when I read this, I, I love this scripture. It's always one of my favorites because it, it talks about how we have to be sensitive to sin and to temptation. I think even when I say, well, some of you, you, you feel ashamed. Some of us are like, I, I don't feel ashamed. Like, I feel no shame. I, I don't feel guilty after I look at something I know I shouldn't. I don't feel bad about it in my heart. Like, there's no, like, beating about that anymore. I've lost shame. And I think, to be honest, that's the world's intention, right, is to normalize sin for us, to make it like, oh, it's not that really big of a deal. But I want you to remember, when you were a kid, right, do you remember the first time you heard someone curse? Yes. Yeah, and you were like, and, but it was like, actually, they said, like, fart or something, and you were like, oh, my gosh. You know, I remember... Um, I had a friend growing up, and he, his mom would always tell this story about how she picked him up from school, and he was weeping. He was, like, five. And she was like, what's wrong? He was like, someone said the F word today. And she was like, oh, my gosh. Like, wow, the F word, five, kindergarten. This is, like, serious. She's like, what did, what did, what did they say? She's like, fart. <laughs> you know, he was just so traumatized that he had heard this word. You know, I remember being, like, called someone like a poo-poo head, and I was like, that's it. <laughs> like, Mom, I need to go to a different school. <laughs> this place is of the devil. <laughs> you know, I was just, I had a deep conviction at the age of six about that. But I think for a lot of us, we lose that sensitivity as time goes on. Things that you used to be shocked by 
are now just a normal part of your life. And what God actually wants you to do is not to keep going down that road. He wants you to reclaim your sensitivity as a disciple. You know, how do you restore sensitivity? You know, um, I think about movies and TV. What are you watching? What are you letting infiltrate your mind? Because if you watch enough stuff, even just like TV shows, I don't know, scandal. (laughs) Things that you're like, oh, I would never do that in my normal life. They start to be things that you're like, oh, that's that's actually okay. That's normal. You know, um, it starts at the temptation level. What you read. Sometimes I think what we read actually gets into our minds on a more, like, intense heart level than even what we're watching. It's both. I mean, they're both equally whatever. You know, what you joke about. Do you joke casually about coarse things? Do you say, like, I did when I was in college. I remember uh, one of my first disciples in college, Jenny Clemens, I remember her sitting down with me and telling me that I joked about sex. When I was 18, I didn't even know anything. She was like, why do you joke about this stuff? And I remember being so convicted. And I remember reading this scripture. What music do you listen to? Do you listen to music that glorifies one night stands? Do you listen to music that like talks about the female body in a way that's derogatory? Do you, do you listen to music that's, yeah, what are you listening to? The world is constantly attacking you in your purity. And it's not just at the action level. They're attacking you at the, in your mind. You know, for me, even since getting married, I've, I think sometimes we think, oh, I'll get married, and then I won't struggle with purity anymore. Let me just help you out. That's not true. <laughs> I don't know who tells people that, but that's just not true. You know, there's been several, several times, even where I realized, like, I was watching, like, basically I banned Shonda Rhimes, her entire, all of her series in my house. Like, I don't watch any of it, because I realized, like, all of it, do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. It's like Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder. It's like all oh. ABC shows, yeah, that have these, like, strong women that are all, like, complete wimps when it comes to men. It's terrible. Um, but anyways, <laughs> That's my own little side rant. Um, but I realized, like, all these things, like, they made me struggle. Like, I was thinking, I was like, why am I watching this? This is warping me. This is changed. Like, God doesn't want this for me. I watched a show, I remember, it was like a mild show, Heart of Dixie, and I realized it was making me struggle, so I turned it off never watched it again. Yeah. Do you do that? When you recognize that something makes you struggle, do you turn it off and never watch it again? Mm-hmm. Or do you give it six months and then turn it back on? No, guys, if you're going to reclaim sensitivity, you've got to start by delete the music on your iPhone. Get rid of the stuff that makes you struggle because it's not worth it. Hurting Jesus, putting him back on the cross is not worth it. And we've got to understand that God doesn't tell us these things to hurt us. He tells us these things to liberate us, to make us realize that, no, no, he wants something greater for you. He wants more intimacy for you than what the world is offering. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Allie share. Hello. Um, well, real quick, I'm Allie Saxon. I am from Charleston. My husband and I lead the campus ministry there. Um, have for almost two years now. Um, but yeah, um, so I'm going to actually just share a little bit about my story because I hope that you can take bits and pieces of it and learn from it. Um, I definitely was not someone who understood my sexuality. I, I love what Alexander shared. I had no concept of this. Um, 
and from a young age, I really, um, I don't know, I, was, I guess I was curious to start off with. I was 14 when I lost my virginity, before high school. And um, I allowed myself to get to a point where anytime I was interested in a guy, that's what I felt like I had to do in order to get attention or to get love or to get anything from him. So I basically just spent my first couple years of high school sleeping around. Um, I had no clue the kind of impact this was going to have on my life. No clue. Like, I thought I was fine. I thought this was normal. Like, I actually ended up losing my virginity the first time before high school because a guy told me that I would be weird if I went to high school and was still a virgin. Like, that is where it started. He was already in high school. But, oh, sorry. Am I sitting on your phone? It's all right. I'm sitting on your phone. Good. Thanks. Um, so that's just the kind of mindset I had, and it was so ugly and so dirty, and I didn't understand what was happening to me, I didn't understand what was wrong with me, and guys, why guys wouldn't love me without that, and it led me to some really dark, scary places. Um, my junior year, I actually was in a situation with a guy, we were hanging out with a couple other people, where um, he convinced me to like go into a room with him, and I figured we'd probably just make out or whatever, and he told me, he knew that I had had sex with one of his best friends, and he wanted me to do that with him, and so I tried to fight back, and I ended up we didn't end up having sex, but it was pretty much everything but then before one of our friends like kicked the door down and I was screaming and crying and terrified. Um, and that was kind of one of the points where I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This is ugly. And, um, but then that led me to all these different thoughts about how I thought about myself, how I thought about guys and relationships, how, um, yeah, and I just, I had no clue. Like, I grew up in the church, like grew up with parents who were strong Christians and um, but somehow, like, I missed all of this. Like, somehow I, I never really understood or developed a conviction on it. Um, so then it was my junior year, and I ended up in all sorts of mess because of it, just, like, constantly sad. And I'm sure I was dealing with some depression in there somewhere that just was not diagnosed. And um, I started studying the Bible, and I got baptized, and you know, decided then, like, okay, this isn't going to be how it is for me. But I still didn't really have any sense of healing or real understanding. And um, started dating a guy who was a disciple. Um, and within a year and a half, we were sleeping together. And um, this went on for, like, two more years. This was three years with a guy who was claiming to be a disciple. So that's a disclaimer. Whoever you are dating, make sure they have strong convictions and are ready to live out the word and be open and radical about their purity because yeah. it is not worth it. Um, so, but then this led to this whole other weird sense of shame, like living this double life, trying to be a disciple, but also sleeping with this guy. And um, he had me convinced that like being open wouldn't help. And I was convinced that I could fix him and that this would be great and we could work on our purity. And um, mm. It got to a point where like, we had multiple pregnancy scares while I was in college. Um, I was lying to all of my roommates, hurting them in so many ways because I was just not willing to be open and real with them. Um, and it, it actually was my husband now who um, convinced me to break up with this guy. He came up to me, and we were really good friends. We've been best friends since middle school. But he just came up to me one day, and he was like, I don't know what's going on, but whatever it is, it's not good for you, and you are not happy. You need to end it. Mm. And I just was like... <laughs> um, I was just like, okay, like that's cool. And so I broke up with the guy, and then I decided to get really open and vulnerable and got a lot of discipling and a lot of help with my heart and 
healing and all of that. And um, then, but that is when I decided, like, okay, if God is ever going to allow me to do this again, like, if he is ever going to entrust me with somebody, one of his disciples, mm-hmm. I have got to have this on, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that is when I actually started developing real convictions. <laughs> um, I started, concept, right? Um, but it took me getting to a place where I was hurt. Like, I was really broken. I was confused. I was scared. I was lonely. I was lost. Like, I was afraid, like, okay, I totally screwed this one up. Like, is God going to ever entrust me with somebody? Like, is that ever going to happen? Um, And so I will just share some of the convictions. And needless to say, with all of that, the personal purity came right along with it. Like, when you're, I think when you're somebody who has put yourself out there in that way with guys, the, it's in your head. It stays in your head. So I think it's very easy just to slip right into personal purity. So while I was working on that, I fell into masturbation and watching porn and all of these other things that I also had to get a really strong conviction about. Um, but it took me sitting down with Sarah Pike, who actually leads the campus ministry in Greensboro. She would come up and check on me, and she would have this like, really weird hand thing. She would ask, how's your purity? Um, I don't know why that's what she did, but like, that was her thing. Like, how's your purity? So, but every time she asked me that, I was like, no, she's going to ask me this, like, every time I see her, and I'm going to have something to say. Like, I'm going to be open. Wow. But the first thing it took, it took developing radical um, conviction. And that took really studying my Bible. That took some soul searching. Like, what are subsequent sins that come along with purity? Well, deceit. It was a huge one. Like, so deceitful. Like, if you're struggling with impurity, the biggest temptation is to be deceitful about it and to hide it. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing, like, okay, if I'm going to study out impurity, I also have to study out being deceitful. I, um, my idols, like, I was idolizing sex and romance. Like, I would see movies and be like, I want that. Like, but I want a man to sweep me off my feet and to carry me into the bedroom with Jack Frederick. So, but it took having radical boundaries, radical repentance. It took really studying it out, really praying. It's like filtering real quick. Filter myself. Um, But it took really knowing myself, knowing my heart, knowing my tendencies. And it took really repenting. And repentance, I learned, is not something that was like this, I'm going to work on it. Yeah, come on. Like, yeah. Just so you know, if that's how you're answering it, that's not repentance. Yeah. Like, if your tendency is to be like, well, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. Six months later, oh, I'm working on it. Like, that is not repentance. <laughs> that is not repentance. Repentance is throwing that away, not having anything else to do with it. Um, But then it was radical boundaries. How do I actually put this into practice? Like, if I'm going to have nothing to do with that old self, how am I going to put this into practice? So for my dating relationship, that took me being really open and real with the sisters and getting a lot of advice, but then also with the guy I was dating, like, of what I could not handle. I could not handle him walking me to my door. Like, I could not handle it. I could not handle talking about certain topics. Like, we did not talk about our future. We did not talk about marriage because that is what I thought about when I thought about marriage. We did not ever ride in the car alone together. Like, because the thought was in my head that when we were in the car alone together, I could totally make out with him right now. 
Like, okay. so we didn't do it. We didn't ride in the car together, ever. Oh, and wow. if we had to, there was no other way around. I was on the phone with my roommates constantly texting them, like, hey, we're turning on this street now, pulling in, I'm getting out of the car. Like, to the point where it was crazy, probably, like, how radical this was. But I had to do it. I had to do it to protect me and to protect him from me. Um, it took, for my personal purity, it took me talking to my roommates and getting really open about it and deciding I can't handle having my computer in my room. I cannot do my homework on my bed anymore. I cannot just leave my computer in my room. I had to have safeguards on my phone. So my roommates actually knew if my computer was in the common space that it was fine. But if they did not see my computer, they would ask me, like, hey, where's your computer? And I was like, oh, sometimes really embarrassed to say, like, even if I wasn't falling into sin, like, oh, I, I crossed that boundary. I took my computer into my room. Um, it took one of my good friends who also struggled with purity, she had a system on her computer where it would alert me if she looked at any websites that were, so I would get emails wow. like, wow. so-and-so was. Covenant wow. eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but I would get emails, like, because that is what she needed, and it was awesome. It took, um, one friend of mine, like, wouldn't even go into her apartment if roommates were not home. Like, wow. because she struggled that badly. Like, for me, if I felt, <laughs> this is kind of silly, but if I felt like I was having these urges, we had one friend, she would call it BP, burning with passion. That was really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I would get in a cold shower, like, come on, get rid of this. But it took being, like, really radical. Like, yep. that looks crazy to the world. I love what Alexander was sharing. That looks totally crazy. These boundaries look crazy to people. But if it's going to protect you and it's yeah. going to protect your relationship with God and it's going to protect your relationship yeah. with your boyfriend, your future spouse, whatever, then do it. Like, yeah, that's right. Um, and then the last thing is radical openness. And I believe, like I said earlier, the biggest subsequent sin to impurity is um, deceit. Mm -hmm. But, um, so for me, it took being so open to the point where, like, people were like, okay, you don't, do you really need to confess that? Like, that's not even anything. But I would be on the phone with somebody every day, like, okay, this is, these are thoughts I had. This is something I struggled with. I was tempted to do this. I looked at this person in this way. I had this thought about my boyfriend. I, whatever. And it was so open and so descriptive because that is what it took for me to, to change. Like, if I was confessing details, I was so embarrassed. I was ashamed by it. And I, I didn't want to have to confess those things anymore. Um, and it, it allowed me to share victories. Like... I had people cheering me on. It was awesome. Like, yeah. yes, an entire week you went without struggling. Like, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Or things with my boyfriend. And um, so, but I, I share all of this because I hope that you can see, like Alexander said at the beginning, it can be done. Like, yeah. you heard my life from the beginning. Like, that person should never have been able to have a completely pure dating relationship and get married and have an awesome marriage now. I, I, I shouldn't have that. But it's totally possible with God. It's, it's yeah. totally possible with the body. and um, So I hope that encourages you, and I hope it gives you some, at least, thoughts on how to make your own personal plan um, about it. I want to read real quick Romans 5 before we close out. I know you guys got to get going. Um, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Does somebody want to read it? Okay, go ahead. Therefore, since we have been justified in faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus.
verse in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Mm -hmm. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that, the grace in, now, in which we now stand. Like, if you are a disciple of Christ, you stand in his grace. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Like, a place where we don't have to be ashamed, a place where we have hope in a wonderful future. We have hope that we can overcome sin. We have hope that um, we can have pure relationships, that we can achieve personal purity. We, we stand in this That's amazing right. grace. Um, but I think the key here is you have to be willing to fight. Like, yeah. if you're not willing to fight, it's not going to work. <laughs> like, like, God can do all of this fighting on your behalf, but if you're not willing to step into the battle with him, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so I hope that you will choose to persevere. I hope that you will choose to fight and that you will really spend some time considering, like, looking into repentance, looking into boundaries, looking into being open with people. Yeah, amen. Amen.